Hi, hello, it is Jess Johnston. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of season two of Decommunist. Woo, 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 woo. Um, that was my studio audience, and by studio audience, I mean it's me sitting alone in a room. Thank you for tuning in. I'm glad to have your ears listening to my talkings. Uh, yes, this is the first episode of season two. Uh, season one ended um, without me telling anybody it ended and without me really knowing that it had ended. It uh, just, I sort of stopped doing it, and it's been about a year since my last episode. So I figured, let's call it season two. We'll switch it up. We'll freshen some things. We'll tweak it. We'll, we'll <laughs> twist it. We'll do all sorts of stuff to make this a fun new season. Um, so I'm sorry that it's been so long. I know everyone was just updating my website every day. Just refresh, refresh. Please, Jessica, please have posted a new episode. And you're probably so excited that I have, because here we are talking about Camp Rock. I was going to say the year. I don't know the year of the movie. You're probably thinking, Jessica, Renee, you are doing a podcast about a show and you don't even know what year the movie came out. I didn't because I'm changing things up as previously stated. A lot of the movies, actually every movie that I review on this show, I have seen before. I'm not watching these movies for the first time. They came out a long time ago when I was a kid. I saw them then. But I haven't seen a lot of them in a long time. Basically, except for like Motocrossed, I don't rewatch these movies too frequently. So I figured it'd be fun for the new season to try it a little differently. So I'll spend the first half of the podcast talking about what I remember from the movie, my impressions of the movie, and without tainting it with like my adult viewing, mm, that's, that didn't sound too bad actually, <laughs> without uh, tainting it from rewatching it as an adult and having a new perspective on storytelling cinema, living life in general. Um, I'm going to just sort of remember how it felt when I was a kid to watch the movies and then talk about it that way. Then we'll watch it. I'll come back with lots of more hard facts and figures cast. Um, we're bringing back my favorite section, IMDb people, IMD people of note. Should have named it something easier to say. I don't think I said it right that time. IMDb, Internet Movie Database, people of note. Nailed it. That's a hot take. So we're going to do that again. I will have some fun facts that I find on the internet. And then I'll give like a really critical analysis of the movie. But this way... My goal when I started this podcast, and honestly, the reason I started the podcast <laughs> was because I had a funny name. I was sitting in a car, I think I've said this before, and I thought it would be funny to have a decom podcast called Decommunist because of communism. <laughs> so I had the name and I didn't want to get too crazy with like an over analysis of kids movies. There's a ton of that on the internet now. And sometimes I think it's really interesting and sometimes I think it's really boring, but I couldn't not do it. Like I remember... I didn't have a, like a mission statement because I'm not a business or a church. But when I first was talking about doing this, I think in that first episode where I kind of explained what it was, I said I didn't want to rip these movies to shreds. I just wanted to enjoy them. I still feel that way, but there's like an uncontrollable urge within me to rip them to shreds. Like I can't just let it go. I can't be like, oh, it's forgivable because it's if I notice it, then in my head it's not forgivable because I'm hypercritical of movies, I guess. But so I want to have the ability to do both things. I want to look back at the movies before I rewatch them with my rose-colored glasses and say, oh, Camp Rock was so fun for X, Y, Z reasons. I'll go into it here in a minute. Don't fret. And then I want to watch it. I want to write some stuff down on my little notebook where I keep all my notes about these movies and be like, can you believe X, Y, and Z? And then we'll all have fun. I can keep my 
life's goal or whew, that is a bold statement for a podcast about movies. I can keep my podcast goal of like having fun, but then stay true to my cinema study roots and really get into some heavy, uh, get into some heavy uh, discussions, d- debates. It's not debates because it's always just me by myself. Although, and I guess that's a fun segue into more new stuff about season two. I really, really, really would like to have guests on the show. Um, when I was first starting the first couple episodes I did back last summer, I was living in my parents' basement because I'm fun. And I didn't want to have guests over, like my friends coming over to my parents' house to sit in the basement with me and talk about Disney movies. It just seems, it's, there's like a line of things that you can do that are fun. And then there's like a, there's a barrier where it gets kind of weird. And that just seemed like I would just be too close to that barrier. Not necessarily going past it, but closer than I needed to be. But now I live by myself and I have uh, like a, a chair <laughs> and a, several chairs, actually multiple chairs if I want to have multiple guests. So I'd be more comfortable having someone come over to discuss these movies with me. I have a couple things kind of in the works, some, uh, some saucepans on the stove. Mm, is that a sentence? Is that a sentence? Well, it certainly was a sentence, but is it a saying? We don't know. Don't really care. So those are kind of the two big things that I want to try for season two. Um, we're splitting it up. We're talking without seeing, and then hopefully I will have guests. Uh, so let's, I guess, get right into Camp Rock. Camp Rock, the movie, came out, and I don't know the year, and I, well, I'll probably come back to the second part of this podcast and be like, you buffoon, you were so wrong. I think it came out when I was in high school, so I was a little too old, quote unquote, too old to be watching a Disney Channel original movie, but Demi Lovato was in it, and I love Demi Lovato. To this day, I love Demi Lovato. I was watching her perform on SNL when she was just on last year, two years ago. She did Stone Cold. I was a little drunk on tequila. It made me cry. So I love Demi Lovato. In this movie, she was a star. And I said, well, obviously, I'm going to watch the crap out of this movie. And you guys better believe that I did. So the movie, from what I remember, as it goes, Demi is the daughter of a woman the mom from Wizards of Waverly Place, whose name I will know in the second part of this podcast. My apologies. Her character's name was like Deborah. It's De- it's like Mickey or Nikki or Vicky or Mitchie. Oh, it might be Mitchie. We'll see. This is fun. This is like a, a quiz for myself. So she, her mom is a caterer and she loves music and she loves to sing and she loves to perform, but she's like a little shy. Um, and she wants to go to this like summer camp for musical kids. <laughs> That's not a euphemism. Um, they're actually kids who like musicals. She wants to go to this camp that's like for kids who want are interested in performing, dancing, singing, screaming, laughing. Wow, I can't not make a reference when I try to talk about this. That was the L word for all my straight listeners. <laughs> um, anyway, but she can't afford it because her parents, while they have a large house in what appears to be California, they don't have any money. Maybe their house poor really gotten into real estate. So that kind of comes up in my everyday life now. Too much house hunters, guys. Too much house hunters. Let's refocus. Let's really try to stay on topic. I think I'm too excited to be talking about Camp Rock because it's one of my favorite Disney Channel original movies. And I think maybe I should have come back with something a little less exciting. I eased my way in with Alley Cat Strike last time, so it could have been smart. We'll suffer. Wants to go to the camp. Can't afford it. But then it turns out that the caterer at the camp backs out. Connie's Catering. Oh, my God. If that's the name of her mom's catering company, everyone that hears this owes me $50. We're going to go with that for now. Connie's Catering 
gets chosen to go work at the camp and be the food. And the mom's like, I'll do it, but on one condition, you got to bring my daughter. Her daughter's Demi. So Demi gets to go to the camp. Yes, 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 yes. Allison Stoner is in the movie. She is from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. She is from Step Up. She is from the Missy Elliott music video. She's a very talented dancer. That's what she's at the camp for. She befriends Demi Lovato. They are navigating the camp. Um, and there's like a mean girl click because there's always, and I bet you her name's probably something like Melissa, but there's a mean girl and her, the mean girl has like a diva of a mom, not like in a sassy way. Like her mom's like a superstar, but also probably kind of a bitch because that's how I remember it in the movie. Don't call women bitches. Sorry, self uh, and everyone else. Her mom's probably kind of an absent mother because she's famous because movies speak in generalities and don't often consider every side of the story. Anyway, <laughs> so she's there and like Demi is kind of in with the Mean Girl click, which makes her happy because of course the Mean Girl click's the popular click. But Allison Stoner is not in the Mean Girl click, but she's like a good person. Like she's the one that she should be friends with. So Demi eventually decides that she doesn't want to hang out with the Mean Girls, hangs out with Allison Stoner more. Joe Jonas plays a superstar in the show who's having some sort of episode. He's like, He's pulling a Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber performed. He's pulling a Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber performed. Why can't I say this? We'll try again. Here we go. He is pulling a Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber pulled a Justin Bieber. Super simple sentence. Really messed me up. Anyway, so he gets sent to the camp because his like record label owns the camp. Or his dad. <laughs> and I don't remember if the Jonas Brothers within the movie are brothers or if they're just like three guys who are in a band together. That's fun. So somebody owns the camp that he knows. So he goes there to kind of do like a little bit of a community service type situation. Sort of improve his brand and make people think he's changed or whatever. So he goes and then the camp has like a talent show at the end. Which is so silly, I guess. Because it's a camp for performing kids. Like... Do you really need to make them compete? Can't we all just learn and have fun? I went to a summer camp. There wasn't any sort of competition. There was badges that you could earn, but you basically... I am lying to everyone's faces. I'll start over. You could earn badges, but there was a huge camp-wide competition at the end of camp where you did like a series of obstacles. I was the fire builder for Lalonde. That was my cabin. It was Camp Song. And the second year, we're on the lake for the last event, rowboat. Best friend, Matt Calcano. Bow, bow, bow. We won. We won the whole camp thing. I can't stop talking about this, and this was years ago. Anyway, so they have the talent show <laughs> competition for the uh, for Camp Rock. I'm assuming it's called Camp Rock. What else would the movie be called that? So they have the competition, and if you win it, you get a like tour with the Jonas Brothers, who have a different name in the show, or you record an album with them, or you win something like major, so everyone really, really wants it. And then Demi has like a little song in her heart that Joe overhears before he doesn't know it's her singing it. Like she's like in the treehouse or something. So he can't see who's singing it. He just hears it and loves it. But he's getting swarmed by all the girls at camp because he's a superstar. He's Joe Jonas. So he's kind of, he has to like constantly be like running around camp. Anyway, somehow him and Demi meet up. They fall in love as much love you can fall in when you're a child. And they, he somehow finds out that it's her song that he heard. This is real. This is me. They sing it together at the talent show. That's when he finds out. He 
<laughs> this is, oof, this might be a bad idea to talk about the movies this way. We'll see. Could be a trial episode, could never, ever, ever happen again. He finds it at the talent show, though that's her song. And he goes out and performs it with her, because there's a duet version, and then everyone's happy. That's really all I can remember. <laughs> I think that's like the gist of the movie. But what I do remember in just sort of general themes and ambiance and stylistically of the film is the music's amazing. It's probably the best, and I'm saying this knowing full well High School Musical is a thing, the best soundtrack for a Disney Channel original movie. More so than Pixel Perfect. Yeah, that's how much of a fan I am. There's a lot of dancing, but it's not... It's not bad dancing, but it is like Disney Channel dancing, so let's keep that in mind. I'm not blown away. It's not America's Best Dance Crew, but they're having fun. They're singing, there's dancing. The acting, as I recall, is pretty good. What I really kind of remember from this movie is thinking that Kevin Jonas had the most like on-screen charisma. Like he was kind of the dumb one of the group, which I think is kind of how they marketed him in real life too, poor guy. Although not poor guy, because I'm pretty sure he was a huge Donald Trump supporter. I'm like, get out of here, Kevin. But he was like the dumb one in the group, so he's had like all the funny one-liners. But I just remember watching it going, you know, Kevin, he's not the cutest, no offense. But he had some, he was like the best actor of the bunch. Joe did his best. And then Nick, I think, he had curly hair and diabetes. He was phoning it in. And like, he shaved his head. No, he's all ripped. He's like, mm, jealous. I don't forget Camp Rock, Nick. I don't think he tried very hard in that movie. I said it. And this was, I can't remember if Camp Rock came before or after the Jonas Brothers had a show, but it was just as I was sitting here thinking about that that I remembered they had a show. <laughs> wasn't one of those ones that really stuck with you. It wasn't a Lizzie McGuire, wasn't a That's So Raven, wasn't an Even Stevens. Anyway, I think really that's all I remember about Camp Rock. It, does, it seems like it's going to be a lot. <laughs> when I thought, I was like, yeah, I remember Camp Rock. I have it on DVD. Like, this is a movie I really like. And I can barely give you the plot. But I know I liked it a lot. I know I thought the music was really good. And I know I thought as far as Disney Channel acting goes, it was pretty solid. So that's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to pause my podcast. I'm going to stop recording. going to go grab a glass of cranberry juice. Sit down on the couch. Watch Camp Rock. Do a little research. And then we'll come back. So, I guess this is the act break. If I was a very popular sponsor, if I was a very popular podcast, I would have like some sponsorships. I'd throw an ad here in the middle, but I don't. So, we'll just stop. I'll probably play like a fart noise and then we'll come back and I'll have a bunch more knowledge for everybody. So, stay tuned. And we're back. Don't be disappointed by the lack of fart noise. I have a lot of things to talk about that I don't like, and it's kind of my new thing to punctuate things I don't like with fart noises like so you'll probably hear one. There you go. Got it out of the way. But guess what, everybody? I watched Camp Rock, and I have lots of feelings about it, and we're going to talk about them right now. First and foremost, I don't know what was wrong with me back in the day, but thinking that Kevin Jonas had the most on-screen charisma in this movie is one of the dumbest things I've ever said. And I have said a ton of dumb shit. But I watched it... And I'm just, the, the second he came on screen, I cringed because I was like, you lied. You told people he, he was dumb. I got that part right. And he was playing that like really kind of overly dumb character. And I was just like, oh my God. And Nick, poor beautiful Nick Jonas, who I called a curly haired diabetes having phoner in lazy bum actor. He does have curly hair and he does have diabetes. 
but he was much better than I remember him being. So I felt like I should get that out of the way before I get any further because it would just it was weighing on my soul. I was like Atlas, but instead of the globe, I had the guilt of saying that I thought Kevin Jones was a good actor. <laughs> but I have shirked it. I have sh- shoved it. I have done whatever Atlas does. He shrugs. <laughs> and Ryan, I think. But I've gotten rid of the guilt. It's out there. It's off me. It's on to you. Just kidding. It's on to anybody. Camp Rock came out in 2008. Yeah, I got facts and figures now, dudes, because I googled it. Came out in 2008, so I was right to say I was in high school. It was the third largest premiere of any Disney Channel original movie, clocking in with 8.9 million viewers, which is shocking. Like that, (laughs) 8.9 million viewers, and it was 2008, so there was, I know that doesn't seem like that long ago, but it's been, what, nine years? Nine years, almost a decade since this movie came out. So it was different back in the day, but I was just talking about ratings the other day. And so I know off the top of my head, the Breaking Bad second to last episode had 6.6 million viewers. So technically Camp Rock had (laughs) more viewers than Breaking Bad. Take that, Walter White. Um, And like I was saying, it's a little different because in today's modern times, there's so much more to watch on TV and it's so hard to get people to watch stuff live that the numbers might not be 100% accurate. But if you're looking, you know, you're not looking too much into it, 8.9 is better than 6.6. In all fairness to Breaking Bad, a show I've never watched, but I know everything about. Um, the This final episode had 10.9, I think, so basically 11 million viewers for the, the true final episode, not the second to last. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about Camp Rock. Camp Rock, if you can picture it, their logo was the most classic camp font you could think of. And then like a very classic like rock and roll. And there's an interesting juxtaposition that I absolutely hated. Like they showed it as they're driving into the camp and I just went, ugh, what is the, it was like, they were like, what Camp Rock? All right, let's make a sign. What's camp look like that? What's rock look like this? Throw them together. Throw in a freaking guitar head or whatever the top of a guitar where all the tuning pegs are. Pretty sure it's a head. So I know stuff. That's our logo. We're done. See, I do, I do make fart noises when I don't like stuff. Everyone's uh, truly welcome. But anyway, the camp itself is like this really cool summer camp um, where musical kids of all varieties go. They learn to sing. I guess they show maybe one singing lesson in the movie. Not even really a lesson. The teacher's like, Demi, or Mitchie. Oh, by the way, her name was Mitchie. Everyone owes me $50. And it was Connie's Catering, which I think is what I actually staked that money on. So boom. But anyway, the teacher's like, Mitchie, come on up here, um, sing. And she sings, Who Will I Be? Like this like uh, solo version or whatever. No critiquing, just, hey, you did really great. The end. So like, oh, I guess, I guess that's the singing lesson for today is just... <laughs> listening to one girl sing for 30 seconds and then we're done. We don't need to learn about pitch or controlling our voice or breathing or whatever. And then they have a hip-hop dancing class, stage two. I don't know if that was the location of the class or if that was the class name, but they said it a couple times. So the hip-hop dancing class is led by Joe Jonas, who I know what you're thinking. Of course, hip-hop dancing, Joe Jonas, synonymous. He's not bad, but he's not good. So what an interesting choice to have him teach a dance class, especially because whoever wrote the movie 
knows Joe Jonas. Like, he was cast in this movie. They probably wrote it for him. So why make, he can teach a guitar class. He could teach a piano class. But no, hip-hop dance, and now he's having cake by the ocean. So I guess full circle, all's well that ends well. So that's the camp. Yeah, I get it's just what it is is a place to get a bunch of girls together so they can be real bitchy to one another with the guise of it being a summer camp. So something I had uh, kind of forgot about from my first part of the podcast when I hadn't watched it yet is Mitchie lies about her mom being the cook and says she is the president of Hot Tunes China. Hot Tunes. <laughs> what, by the way, Hot Tunes. Just one more time. Hot Tunes China. Uh, Hot Tunes is like the movies God, that I cannot stop saying Hot Tunes. Somebody help. Wait. <laughs> it's the movie's version of MTV. So she's the president of MTV China. Okay. That's what she tells people because she wants to be cool because this whole camp, even though it's all about like really talented kids, for some reason it's also just kids whose parents like are on Broadway or are diva superstars. Like the mean girl whose name is Tess. Her mom, TJ, that I was talking about earlier, is a superstar and is distant. But, like, that's the caliber of person, you know, you're working with. Like, oh, my dad knows this composer or whatever. So it's not a camp just for, like, talented kids. It's a camp for talented kids of rich people. Um, Which is just a real fun environment for a girl who's basically there on scholarship. She gets a discounted rate because her mom's the cook. So she lies and she tells people that her mom is the president of Hot Tunes, China. Um... Which, as you can probably guess, backfires. Blows up in her face. Everyone finds out her mom's the cook. Oh. Demi, 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 demi. Lying never works out. But we'll come back to that. Because that's sort of, that's the end of Act 2. When all that comes out. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. Camp Rock. I said it had good music. And I don't take that back. mm that soundtrack was lit. I said it had good Disney Channel dancing. It doesn't. Listen, I can admit when I am wrong. The dancing in this movie, they had two guys, and I didn't look up their names because that's how important they were to the plot. All they did was like dance, but it wasn't even like they were dancing together or they were dancing. They just sort of like pop and locked, but like not very well. And that's what they would do. And then they had a song called Hasta La Vista at the end. I, I, search me as to what they were doing in the movie. I guess just to fill time with more songs. But listen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the singing, the music. Well, not the singing. There is a difference. The music, so good. This is real. This is me. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. You're going to let the light shine on me. Um, I'm obviously not a very good singer. But I try. <laughs> But when they're singing within the movie, and I, this might be why I'm not like crazy about musicals in general. I really don't like, like musical theater, like End of the Woods, when that came out. Uh, I was like, oh, that's like so good. I'm like, I don't care. Because I don't like just singing in the middle of movies. Sue me. I like singing. I like movies. They don't, I don't think they need to be best friends. Ironically, though, it's like I like to contradict myself. Ironically, I really liked the movie um, Across the Universe, the Beatles, the Beatles movie. But anyway, so they're singing in the movie in Camp Rock, not into the universe. And it's like, it, let's say it's um, Joe Jonas's character's name, Shane Gray, uh, the inspiration for 
Christian Grey of Fifty Shades of Grey, little known fact. Um, that's not true. Fake news! Fake news. So sorry. Sad. Wrong. He'll be sitting on like the dock and it's just like him playing a guitar, staring soulfully into Demi Lovato's eyes, singing a song about like wanting to find true love. And there will be backup singers like in the audio of the movie. Like, are you guys kidding me? You could, I understand that you want it to like sound good for the CD, but this, the movie can, it doesn't have to have backup singers. And then Tess is the leader of the bitchy girl group um, with Peggy and the other girl whose name I can't remember. So sorry. Maybe Caitlin. No, Caitlin was Alison Summers' character. Anyway, they're like practicing their singing and grooving together. And she's auto-tuned. Like, <laughs> she'll be like, ah, you know how auto-tuned sounds? Not like that at all. But she's, and I'm like, what is the point of this? If you want to do a movie about kids at a musical or musically inclined, music-themed, music-leaning camp, just let them sing. I can only assume that the people they cast, for sure, Demi and Joe and Nick, not Kevin. They can actually sing, so why not let them? But they don't. And I think that's a fun segue, segue, a fun segue into what I consider to be the main theme of the film, which they really kind of hit you over the head with, um, with having like the big song from the movie being called This Is Me. Uh, hello, this is me. Marcel the Shell. If you need to take a break from listening to me talk about a Disney Channel original movie, watch that on YouTube. It's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> the, the theme of the movie is like being yourself, being true to yourself, um, not letting peer pressure, society's expectations, fame, whatever, get to your head. It's like going to this camp is a good place to go and center yourself, which is a, an honorable endeavor, truly. But they've gone about it in a way that... Movies like about like um, girls like fighting doesn't ever seem to go. It doesn't sit right with me because it's not like you know Mitchie and Tess, or even more so, it's Caitlin Allison Stern's character and Tess that have like the bigger feud. They're not fighting for like a position. They're not fighting for something like they're not competing in a constructive way that inspires both of them to be better, which I would be fine with and I would actually welcome uh, seeing in a movie. They're fighting. Because Tess is like, she thinks she's better than everybody. Um, she has that, and they basically lay this out in the movie, which addressing it is helpful. Uh, but she has that complex where she has to put other people down to feel good about herself. And Caitlin has that whole, I don't care about anything vibe, even though she secretly cares. And those two characters are always going to butt heads. And Mitchie starts out the movie, she lies to get in with Tess because she feels that Tess is popular and Mitchie's like not very popular at home or at camp. Um, she's very insecure about herself, about her family and their, I don't know. She like really openly admits at the jump that her dad owns a hardware store. And then she sees the reaction to that as just disinterest. Like people literally turn away from her. That's when she lies about hot tunes, China. So she gets in with Tess. She lies cause she wants to be popular. She wants to be part of the group. And then she gets like relegated to the background like she's a backup singer for Tess's band which by the way Tess's band it's Tess Peggy and the other girl I'm so sorry it's probably like Terry um what's her name I think I wrote it down it is not Terry Ella her name's Ella okay so Peggy Tess Peggy Ella are the group and it's that classic thing like they sing the backup and she's late singer and she's like you guys are gonna follow my lead do as I say one two three four which is fine but 
well, it's not fine. It's actually kind of a very rude way to handle it, you know, <laughs> but I just, if you're trying to do the girl group like that, you're never going to be better than the princess diaries, <laughs> Lana, Anna, Montana. And then they sing stupid Cupid. You're a real mean guy. Stupid Cupid. You're not going to top that. So why try? I guess the, my issue and not with this movie, but my issue personally is if I see something's done really well in a movie, it's like, why are we trying to do it again? Another example from this movie is, and I don't know, this will be fun. I should have looked this up before I started recording, but sometimes things just, they come into my brain so quickly. Ella is like the dumb friend of the group. She's like ditzy and like, what nail polish should I use? And then Peggy's like, they're the exact same color. And I was like, I know, you see my dilemma. Like that kind of dumb. <laughs> Which is, I guess, an easy way to get a quote-unquote laugh. It didn't make me laugh, but an easy way to uh, spice up with a little bit of comedy. But it makes me wonder. Mean Girls came out and I think 04, so maybe four years before this, four or five years before this Camp Rock came out. Karen is like the ultimate dumb friend. Like, you're never ever going to top that, in my opinion, so why bother? But I was trying to think, because I'm thinking back to like maybe like Clueless or movies like that. Was that, like, the one dumb friend in the group, was that a trope before Mean Girls? Or did Mean Girls do it, and frankly do it the best it'll ever be, and then everyone else is just sort of trying to, like, cling on to that? Hmm. I could do some research. That might be, you know what, here's what we'll do. Season two, I can do whatever I want. I'm a freewheeling, free-loving kind of guy. Um, I'll do like a follow-up section. So if I say something in an episode that I'm like, oh, I'll follow up on it or I'll look into it. The next episode, I will naturally talk about that. Does that make sense? Like I'll be like, okay, remember last week we were talking about this? Not weekly. Don't, <laughs> don't hold me to that. Remember last episode we were talking about this? Here's what I found. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun new segment. Or I won't do it ever. Who cares? Um, but yeah, so they had the dumb girl trope. They had the, like, sassy mean girls. And the mean girl, like, a rove arrived. She showed up. <laughs> she showed up to camp in a limo. Everyone else came on, like, a charter bus. And then Demi came in her mom's catering van. So if you didn't understand the class structure uh, from the beginning, you weren't ever going to get it. They really laid it on thick. I worry, though, that I strayed from the point that I was trying to make uh, several minutes ago. Uh, but about the theme of the movie being being true to yourself. So we find out that Demi lies to her friends about what her mom does. Do you want me to say it again? I will. Hot tunes, China. And the mom in this movie, um, I mentioned she's the mom from the Wizards of Waverly Place show. Her name is Maria Canals Barrera. I, I'm hoping I pronounced that right. She is so good. She plays very, like, she's a very supportive mom. She, Demi's frequently late to helping her mom out in the kitchen. She never cares. She's like, oh, it's okay, sweetie. Like, you're doing camp. I know you're so excited to be here. Go do the thing. Go do your party. It's, by the way, everything at this camp was called a jam. They have the welcome jam. They have, like, open night jam. They have pajama jam. They have the final jam. Like, is it a frickin' Smucker's factory? No, stop calling everything jam. But anyway, her mom is just so sweet and lets her do whatever she wants. 
And then in the scene where the lie comes out that Demi's like, no, my mom is not the prison of hot tunes, China. Her mom's in the background and she doesn't say anything. And the mom is like shot behind Tess. So she's just like looking over her shoulder. So the camera, the, the focus is more on Tess, but you see the mom, Connie, which is my mom's name. So maybe that's why I'm having such a strong emotional reaction. And she is so sad. She's like, I, she just looks like really like downtrodden, like picture a sad emoji. Can you not imagine emotions without emojis anymore? Jesus Christ. People know what sad looks like. So she looks really sad. And then if you don't know what sad looks like, don't think that I am judging you. That's okay. You don't have to. She walks away and it's like, oh, your heart breaks because she has been nothing but so good this whole movie. And she has every right to be like, Mitchie, that was, you hurt my feelings by being ashamed of me. But instead, like the good mom that she is, she says, hey, I didn't realize you were so unhappy with yourself. Like, I thought things were going good. And Mitch is like, no, I have like one friend. I'm not popular. I just wanted to feel popular for once. The mom's like, listen. Fuck popularity. She doesn't say that, but oh, I wish she would. She says, you know, you have like this beautiful music, but people want to hear you sing. Like that's what you need to focus on is your songs. The mom. <sighs> so she gets her feelings hurt, but she, I think, isn't necessarily the film's moral compass, but she's certainly the true North. You know, she is what to strive for. She's so sweet. And then Joe Jonas's character, Shane, is the bad boy in the press. So he gets sent to the camp. He's in a group. His band is called Connect Three, and it's him, Kevin, and Nick. Uh, but they're not brothers in the movie. I do not know what the decision was for that, but they're not. Um, they're like, yeah, you can go see your uncle. Brothers would have the same uncle. You know what I'm saying? So they're not brothers. But anyway, so Shane has to go to the camp to sort of improve his image because the label's pissed at him. And then we find out when he's there... He kind of does like the brooding bad boy thing for a little bit, but he cracks fairly quickly when he stares into Demi's beautiful eyes and sees her bright, sparkling smile. He feels his heart lifted and he feels music again. Um, he needs to stay true to himself because the label, he's kind of acting out because he's mad with what his label's doing to him and making him sort of just do like really over-the-top pop music that'll sell. He's like, I want to go back to my roots. I want to change up our sound. And then talking with Demi, she's like, you should do, I mean, I would buy this. The song's amazing. He brings the boys there for like a little show at the camp. They debut one of the songs. The audience reaction, audience re- uh, what? The audience reaction is huge. And that's like his like crowning moment. He's like, yes, cool. I have found how to be myself again. And then Tess has a bit of a redemption arc. Um, we'll get to her last because I want to talk about Peggy. Peggy, the unsung hero of the film, although ultimately not that unsung either because because she goes, spoiler alert, she goes on to win the final jam. Whoop, whoop, go Peggy. But so Peggy is in the girl group, always in the background, and she never is like quite the doormat for Tessa's sass. She's always like, can you just fucking grow up? But she doesn't get to say that because this is a Disney movie, although there are several scenes in this movie like, at one point, Demi finally confronts Tess about what a raging bitch she's being. I know I said I shouldn't say that. I know I said that. The raging jerk. <laughs> the I don't know. The raging asshole she's being. How about that? That's not gendered. The raging asshole that she's being. And she confronts her, like, in the mess hall. And I just wanted to be like, I mean, can you just shut the fuck up for once in your life? Like, you're a real dickhead. 
but you can't say that. But it, can you imagine if Disney just came out of left field and was like, family movie, family movie, family movie, fuck you. That'd be awesome. But anyway, Peggy, she has her sort of finding herself storyline. Um, at the very, you know, at the final hour, she's supposed to go on for the final jam, the big competition at the end of camp, to sing with Tess. And she changes her mind. She says, you know what? Not today, Satan. Because Tess pisses her off for the last time. So she is like, I'm out of here. And you think, oh, well, Peggy's just like not going to perform. Psych. Peggy comes out with a guitar and sings like this very empowering song. Like, I'm not going to stand in the background anymore. I'm proud of myself. I'm talented. Mwah. And you're proud of Peggy. And fun fact that I learned on IMDb. Peggy always wears headbands. Like, that's like her look. Uh, played by Jasmine Richards, I think, who's in Bomb Girls. Which is like a really fun show about World War II and women who build bombs. So if you want to check that out, you should. But anyway, Jasmine Richards plays Peggy, and Peggy always wears headbands, and IMDB told me that she wore 14 different headbands in the movie, and 26 out of 26 people found that interesting. So I didn't vote yes, because I don't have an account, but it would have been 27 out of 27, I can tell you that. Anyway, and then the final sort of becoming myself redemption orcus test. I don't like when the villain gets one, like, purely based on sympathy. You know, she should have, she kind of, she performs and she fucks up and her mom is there. The big, the grand diva TJ Miller who's not swarmed. So how popular could she be? She just sat there and she's like, oh, I'm a bitch. So after that, and this is like the very last scene of the movie, she apologizes to Peggy. She apologizes to Ella and she like admits what she did wrong to Mitchie and Caitlin, which I'll tell you about here in a second. Um, And then like, you're supposed to be like, okay, thank you. You're a good person now. And Demi, bless her, Mitchie and uh, Caitlin, they don't really fall for it entirely because the girl's like, okay, I'll see you guys next summer. And they're like, yeah, okay. And they sort of walk away. So they didn't totally let her off the hook, but she needed to do more than what she did to get back in the good graces of my opinion. The biggest, the movie, I, that's, who, the biggest plot hole of the movie, um, or it's not even a plot hole. It's just, why would they go the way that they went? Joe, Shane Gray, so I just like sort of call people by their name or their character's name and I hope that you know who I'm talking about. So Joe Jonas gets to the camp, he hears Demi singing, she's like in the mess hall playing the piano because it's a musical theater camp and so the mess hall has a grand piano. He hears her playing and he writes a song about how much he likes her song, which is like a really bold move. Um, he's like, you're the voice here, it's I'm here, the reason that I'm singing. Anyway, so he's like, the whole camp is like trying to find this girl um, cause he doesn't know it's Demi. And so he's like, starts this like really weird whisper campaign. They honestly had like 15 shots of like one person whispering something into another person's ear, like just around camp. It's frankly creepy. So he wants to hear the, he wants to find the girls. So, like the girls hear about this and they all sort of like walk past him singing, like trying to see if they're the girl that he heard. And Tess is going to see Shane in his cabin and his uncle walks out. The uncle runs the camp. He's like, hey, bud, what's wrong? You seem sad. And then he explains that he's, like, got the song stuck in his head, and he sings the song. He's like, this is real, this is me. Tess hears this. Tess had heard Demi sing it earlier, okay? So she goes into their cabin, and she finds Demi's, like, little songbook, her little music journal, flips the page, and, like, reads the lyrics, like, this is real, this is me, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen here. But then she puts the book down and she looks at her bracelet, like this bracelet her mom gave her, 
I was like, you're going down, Mitchie. I was like, why the fuck did she just talk to her bracelet? Because her grand plan was to take the bracelet, hide it in the kitchen, and then tell Brown, the leader of the camp, Caitlin and Mitchie stole my bracelet. She, like, plants it. They get busted, and they get kicked out of the final jam. And I'm like, okay, that was, like, a real dick move, but you had the songbook in your hand, and the whole movie, she's trying to get Shane's attention. She's, like, reading Teen Bop magazine to find out what he likes. You had the song. You had the proof. You could have been like, that was me you heard. Here's my lyrics and like sang the whole song to him. And then he could have, it wouldn't have ultimately worked out, but that, just try. Why this whole weird shit with a bracelet? Honestly, it blew my mind. Because it, it's a predictable, it's a, it's a Disney movie. It's not like it's hiding its cards or whatever the hell that expression is. So when she had the journal, I was like, oh, I remember how this goes. Because it was so clearly in my mind how it should be that I assumed that's how the movie went. Like, I made a false memory that that's how the movie went. And then Demi, like, performed the song at the final jam and proved that it really was her. No! This girl didn't do shit with the songbook. She was like, I don't know how to brace it. See ya. What the hell? I It didn't make a lick of sense to me. But, whatever. You know, she did, like I said, she did ultimately say that she planted the bracelet and everyone was happy, I guess, at the end. But it just... Why set it up? <laughs> like, I really can't get over this. Why set it up so well and then do so few things with it? Um, let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a look at my notebook here. Sorry if the noise has changed on this. I was in another room recording um, and then I got overwhelmed with the sensation that somebody was looking at me through my window. Um, it was my own reflection, but it still startled me. <laughs> so then I moved to a different area and then my fridge kicked on. Um, and then that was like a weird background noise, so I moved again. So now we're just standing by the stove, because life is for the living. So I'm just looking at my notes. Um, I just wrote down the word blingalicious, because Demi described that fucking bracelet as blingalicious. Like, it was 2008. We weren't saying, but we, I don't think, frankly, we as a society ever said blingalicious, if I'm being perfectly honest, so nice try, Demetria, her full name. Um, let's see. Nick Pops. No one knows what that means. <laughs> um, I think I've kind of talked this movie out. Um, oh, this is something else I just saw. You know how sometimes if you're friends with like sort of hippie people on Instagram and they go to the woods for a long weekend and they post like a picture of their cabin, what do you think the caption would be? I'll give you a minute to think of what in your head. If you said hashtag cabin vibes, <laughs> you were right. There is a cabin in this movie named Cabin Vibe because they were trying to like go off musical themed names. I was like, that is... Seeing it now in 2017, I was like, ew. We really kind of took the word vibe and, and <laughs> tweaked it to a place that I'm not crazy about. Um, <laughs> that wasn't... See, there's, there's reasons why these things just sort of get fleshed out till the end. Because they're not, um... <laughs> oh, here's... I'll leave you with this. This is not, like, the number one thing to end it on. Sorry. Um, but there is... Uh, Ella is asleep in the cabin and Demi is sneaking out. Because she has to go help her mom in the kitchen. And Ella wakes up and is like, uh, Mitchie, what's going on? And Mitchie's like, you're dreaming. You're a rock star princess. And she's like, I am a princess. And she goes back to bed. What is it? 
with movies, TVs, whatever, with this whole, you're dreaming, you're speaking French, and I'm your mom. I think that's 30 Rock. Like, what? what has it, would that ever work? I've never done that to somebody because I've never been, like, sneaking out of a house or something where I'd have to come up with an excuse like that. But if you woke up and say, okay, you're in a cabin, you know that this girl's there, so you wake up, hmm, she's there, she's leaving, and she says you're dreaming, would you be like, oh, I'm dreaming, or would you be like, well, you're just fucking sneaking out of the cabin? Hmm? I know what I would do. <laughs> okay, yes, the, the really, who did not end on a strong note, but we're back. We are back. We're getting back into the groove of things. This was the first episode of season two of Decommunist, the Disney Channel original movie podcast, the one, the only, not necessarily true. Didn't do a ton of market research, but I'll take, I'll take the credit until somebody tries to stop me. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I feel like this was kind of a honker, kind of a long one. So thanks for sticking with it or parsing up, parsing it up throughout your day, your week, your month, your year. Um, no one told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> for the next episode, which will hopefully be in two weeks, bi-weekly suits me. Um, we're going to do, and I know I say this every time, if you have a request, tell it to me. Because if not, I'm deciding currently between doing Princess Protection Program because I have it on DVD, or tracking down Xenon, girl of the 21st century. <laughs> Zetus Lapidus, gang. I have a lot to say about that movie, too. That's You know what? I'll say it now. We're doing Xenon for next week. Thank you again for tuning in. Hope you guys have a super swell rest of your day, afternoon, evening, whatever time you're listening to this. It's the beauty of the internet. You do what you want on your terms. Okay, uh, bye!